Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. Growing up in my neighborhood, there wasn't a ton of kids around. So when a new kid made an appearance, it was a very big deal. It was almost like we would form a welcoming committee to try to pull them in to play games with us. And we played a lot of different games. Three of our favorite were Manhunt, which is a sort of tag game where you grab each other, put each other in jail. Second one would be Sword Fighting, where we would bash each other with sticks, which I think I've talked about on the show. And we would often shoot each other with guns, and that would have variations like War, or Cowboys and Indians, or even Star Wars, sort of alien battles. We often played on the block right next to where I grew up. And that's where two of my better friends lived. They lived a couple of houses apart from one another. And the one friend had this really interesting yard with this old tree and then a series of garages that were all open to us. And there were four right next to each other. And they were all four separate buildings. Now, of course, going into a garage is cool, but what's even cooler is climbing on top of a garage, which we did a lot. And we would jump from garage to garage. And that was like a two or three foot chasm between each one. It was dangerous, but we still did it. Between the two biggest garages, there was this place that my friend's father would park his car. Because nobody put their cars in a garage. He always just parked them right outside it. And it had a nice gap between it. And we would always be daring each other to jump this gap. It was maybe 8, maybe 10 feet. But the one garage had a slant on it. So if you ran down that slant, and that's the one you had to get up onto because it had the tree that ran next to it so you can climb up. If you ran downward, you had this like kind of downward momentum. And it would hit you into the wall if you jumped. Well, at least that's what we all thought. As I said, we would welcome any kids into our playgroup and... A new kid did move into our town, and injuries were quite common when you played with us, but you kind of had to laugh it off as long as it wasn't serious. Lots of tetanus shots were gotten, lots of homemade bandages were made so that we wouldn't tell our parents. Now, I didn't have a screening process for my friends back then. I don't think I do now. But when this new kid moved into the apartments up the street, we might have noted that he was really into Superman. He had a Superman t-shirt. He asked us if we liked Superman. We all said yeah. And he seemed really cool, and we played with him. So when we started playing sticks, he had obviously seen the Superman movie and would pretend to be Superman with his stick. So when you came at him, he would throw down his stick, and then you would hit him or poke him, and he would be like, no, I'm Superman. And this caused all sorts of arguments. What we didn't expect was that he would attempt to make the jump across the chasm as Superman. He was chased up there and did a little da-da-da-da. He made the leap. He almost made it. I say almost, maybe a hand touched the other garage, so it was a good leap for a kid of his size. But then he went down hard on the blacktop, broke his leg. He laid there on the floor. We weren't sure what to do. We had a boy scout amongst us who told us not to move him, and we went and got adults. We all got this lecture about playing on the garages. For about two months, we didn't play on garages. Then we got back to it. We never played with that kid again. And when school started that year, he wasn't in school with us. I don't know where he went. It was very mysterious. But the memory of that fall and his obsession with Superman has stuck with me till this day. Now, if you're a parent and you have a kid who's really into superheroes, and I was really into superheroes as a kid. I was really into Captain America 
and would make shields, but I didn't believe I was a super soldier or could throw that shield and bounce it off of things. If you happen to have a kid who thinks that they're really doing super things, you might want to teach them about their own limits, and you certainly should talk to them about gravity if they think they're Superman. On today's show, we're going to talk about the original TV series. This is a little bit more retro than we're used to. We're going to talk about The Adventures of Superman, most commonly known as Adventures of Superman. The the is often drop, which is a show that ran from September 19th, 1952 till April 28th, 1958. It's a great show. We're going to talk about the production of the show. We'll talk about the characters and the actors. We'll talk about the mythology behind Superman and what came into the TV show from the comic books. We'll talk a little bit about the music, the sponsors, the show's cancellation, an attempt to maybe do a spinoff, and we'll, of course, talk about where you can get it now. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Adventures of Superman was a television series based on the comic book characters created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. And if you followed any sort of litigation from the Superman movie, you probably know all about Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster and the problems they would later have with the Superman character and being identified as its creator. The show is sponsored by Kellogg's, which is very important, and as I mentioned, would run from 1952 to 1958. In 1951, B-movie producer Robert L. Lippert released a 67-minute black-and-white feature starring George Reeves and Phyllis Coates called Superman and the Mole Men. The script was written by Robert Maxwell, under the name Richard Fielding, and was directed by Lee Sholem. The film was well-received by its target audience, and this prompted the television series to go into production in the late summer of the same year. It was shot in Culver City, California, at the RKO Path Studios, which would later become Desilu Studios. You might know Desilu because it was the joint 
production company of Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. Many, many shows were made at the Desi Lu Studios. From the very beginning of the show, the series was filmed to look like a movie serial, with the principals wearing the same costumes throughout the show to help with continuity, since they would be filming lots of shots out of sequence and have to bring them together. For instance, if they were going to film a location, say Lois's office, they would film all of Lois's office scenes for the entire season all at once, and then they would just later on be edited together. The budget for the show at that time was relatively low. It cost about $15,000 an episode to make it. The actors were paid $200 an episode, but would later get a slight raise of $50. But I think that took a lot of prodding. As the show would go on, though, the star of the show, Reeves, who we'll talk a little bit about later, would get raise after raise, and by the end he would be making $2,500 an episode. But the rest of the cast was still making considerably less. The problem was is that the stars were signed to a run-of-the-show contract, meaning that the producers could demand that they show up for a new season within 30 days' notice, which made it difficult for them to get any sort of long-term commitments in things like movies, and they were kind of over a barrel. And we'll talk a little bit about how the show was shot in color and black and white later and the differences between the seasons, but here's a little fun little information about the red and blue Superman costume. Now, when the show was in color, would obviously be red, blue, and yellow, which are the colors of Superman. But when they were filming the show in black and white, it was brown, gray, and white, so that it would photograph in the appropriate black and white tones for the black and white broadcast. Now, as I said, there was a transition between black and white and color for the show, which was really bold. At the time, very few shows were filmed in color. And what would make it odder is that those shows wouldn't even be shown in color because most people had monochrome sets so even the people broadcasting them would broadcast them in black and white. But when that happened, they switched his uniform to the proper red, blue, and yellow colors. Now, I don't believe I have to tell you about the characters of Superman, but we'll talk a little bit about the main characters and the mention the actors and actresses who played them. You had Superman, or Kal-El, also in his guise as Clark Kent, played by George Reeves. He has x-ray vision, super hearing, flying superpowers galore. Lois Lane is Clark's, Superman's, Kal-El's love interest, and she's also his associate at the Daily Planet, where they both work as reporters. She's a competent, professional woman, and she sort of suspects that Kent is Superman, and is trying to figure out a way to confirm that. In the first season, she's played by Phyllis Coates, who I think is a superior Lois Lane in later episodes, and she's played by Noelle Neal. Noelle Neal did a great job, although I thought her Lois Lane was a little weaker. I didn't enjoy her characterization as much as I liked Phyllis's. Jimmy Olsen is a cub reporter at the Daily Planet and sort of a sidekick to Clark Kent, Superman. He's played by Jack Larson. Perry White is the blustery, impatient, over-the-top editor and publisher of the Daily Planet, and he sometimes gets pulled into the adventures of Lois, Jimmy, and Clark. Perry White was played by John Hamilton. Over at the Metropolis Police, you had Inspector Henderson, who is a friend of the Daily Planet's staff, and works in conjunction with them on crime investigations, much like all police departments do. He is played by Robert Shane. Rounding out the cast, you had some other recurring characters. You had Professor Periwinkle, played by Phillips Teed. You had Uncle Oscar, who was played by Sterling Holloway. You had Professor Lucerne, who was played by Everett Glass. The show also had a bunch of bad guys, none of who are the bad guys that you would expect to be in Superman. But... If you were just watching the show for the first time and had no idea of the comic books, they're completely workable. Still, after watching the show, what I wouldn't give for a 
Lex Luthor or some very cool super-powered villain to show up to give Superman a run for his money. And now, this message. Wherever the target is danger, into the fray leaps the mighty man of steel, racing with supersonic speed to exploding excitement, bolting fearlessly into violence and villainy. No human onslaught can stay there. Super Invincible, zooming out of the skies and crashing through into the very teeth of hair-raising peril. A towering hero booming with super action. Sworn enemy of all evil, smashing through. His only shield, his super body. At every turn, slamming into breathtaking hazards, the superhero of them all. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a speeding locomotive. Leaping buildings in a single bound. It's a bird. It's a plane. Say, kids, what is it? Up in the sky. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Superman. Yes, sir, kids, a real flying Superman that can be yours. Looks just like Superman himself. He's made of tough blue plastic and has a bright red cape that fits on his shoulders. With your flying Superman, you get a powerful launcher to send him sky high, zooming through space just like Superman does in his adventures. Now, you'll want to be one of the first to have your own flying Superman, so listen carefully, because here's all you do to get yours. Send one box top from Kellogg's Corn Flakes and just 10 cents. That's one box top and just 10 cents to Flying Superman, Box 330, Battle Creek, Michigan. Or use the handy order blank right on the Kellogg's Corn Flakes package. Get your Flying Superman from Kellogg's now. So as we talked a little bit about earlier, there were two seasons of the show that were filmed in black and white. And they have a sort of noir feel to them and really seem to resemble the theatrical serials that the show is pulled from. Even the cast of those is filled with a lot of established movie character actors, which gave it a little bit more legitimacy on the TV. Now, Phyllis Coates only appears in the first season, and she's billed equally with Reeves during that first season, and that was supported by Reeves, who thought she was an amazing actress, and she was. Her character's kind of a strong-willed, enterprising reporter who's trying to outscoop Clark Kent, but at the same time, there's this wonderful tension. Sadly, she had moved on to another project before season two was about to start, so they needed to recast, and they brought in Noelle Neal. She never got the top billing that Coates would get, and she played Lois as a sort of sweeter and more sympathetic character as opposed to the sort of professional characterization that Coates brought to the character of Lois Lane. The tone of the show would change as well instead of having more serious villains as we move into the other seasons. The villains become sort of bungling comic type characters that are meant to frighten the show's more juvenile viewers. When we move into the third season and we start to get into what would become the color seasons and as I mentioned People didn't even get to see these colored seasons until the 1960s when they were showing the show. As the show moved from the first two seasons and you got into the third, fourth, fifth season, it became even more lighthearted and whimsical, which mirrored the more lighthearted feel of the Superman comics of the 50s. Violence was toned down, and gunfire in the show would only be aimed at Superman because nobody could get hurt and bullets bounced off him. The Jimmy character was very popular with the young watchers of the show, so he was elevated and made the sort of comic foil to Superman. And a lot of the plots of the show had 
either Jimmy or Lois, or Jimmy and Lois being captured and needing to be rescued by Superman in the last second. As they started to get into the final season, though, the show started to reestablish some of the seriousness of the show, with the addition of science fiction elements like the use of a kryptonite-powered robot. From what I understand, that kryptonite-powered robot was actually a leftover prop from a Bowery Boys movie, The Bowery Boys Meet the Monsters. You get atomic explosion, things that Superman actually has a challenge beating. If you get to see the show in color, you'll probably be shocked at the hair change of Noelle Neal, because in this season her hair was dyed a bright red. People who watched the show originally didn't pick up on that, but when you're watching it on DVD, it's jarring to see the changeover. Now, because they had decided to move the show into color, and it was more expensive to do so, the producers cut the number of episodes per season in half. So each season, instead of getting 26 episodes, would only get 13 episodes. So if you were watching it originally, you would get 13 new episodes, and then they would show 13 reruns, which when you're a kid doesn't really matter that much. Now, the producers were hedging their bets that later on, when the show was put in color and could be syndicated, that the color would be more valuable, and it would be. Now, of course, we can't talk about Superman without talking about flight. If you watch it now, by today's standards, the flying effects on Superman were kind of campy, but at the time, they're pretty neat and very well executed. You had three phases, a sort of takeoff, flight, and landing, and they used cables and wires for the takeoffs early in the filmings. Those looked really cool, but then Reeves had a concussion, and later on, they started using a springboard. So Reeves would run into frame, hit the out-of-frame springboard, which would boost him out of the frame, often over the camera and into a bunch of padding. Once he did that, and they would have stock footage of the event, they would use that repeatedly. They would often use matte paintings and film him on the neutral background when trying to get the flying techniques so that they could use the footage over and over. Economy was very important for the show. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth justice and the American way. The music for Superman was taken almost entirely from stock music libraries and from other B-movies of the time. The only original music written for the series was the march heard during the credits, and the theme has been credited to the studio music arranger Leon Klatskin. Although the way music was borrowed from, it seems, every source, perhaps that was borrowed from some now lost theme. The show had a sponsor through its run, Kellogg's. And if you ate Kellogg's cereal, you could often find Superman tie-ins with Kellogg's cereals. And there would be a number of commercials promoting their cereal products in what are called integrated commercials. And that would happen right at the end of the program, something that was very common in those days. So a character from the show would talk about how wonderful Kellogg's products are. 
and many of the characters from the TV series, all except Superman, would do that. Superman's too good for that. If you get the DVDs, you can actually see some of these integrated commercials. Very cool stuff. And now, these messages. Hi. Come on and meet my pal, Clark Kent, the star of Superman. You know, there's something mighty interesting going on around my town. Every place I go, I see that favorite new cereal of mine, Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes. Look. You just can't be Superman, and that's all there is to it. Why not? Well, for one thing, you're a girl. And that's not much of a reason. Well, I know something you can do that Superman will sure like. Why? You can have some more Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes. Superman says they're the best. I like them the best, too. Hey, I know. Since you like Sugar Frosted Flakes, you can be Supergirl. <laughs> you see, kids may argue, but never about Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes. This is the new cereal kids all agree is the best tasting cereal ever. Tony, tell the folks how Frosted Flakes taste. Great! New Flakes, Frosted Flakes, Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes. Hey, let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent, the star of Superman. Gee, Mr. Kent, what a breakfast Kellogg's Sugar Snacks make, huh? That's right, Jimmy. That's why I never let business interfere with this meal. Now, who could that be at this hour of the morning? Well, good, you're both here. Now, we have an important assignment. Now, you can't wait till after breakfast. News can't wait, Kent. You know that. Now then, not even for new sugar snacks, Chief? No, I say we have this important... Uh... Why, yes. Don't mind if I do. You know, Chief, I have a hunch that your important assignment was having some sugar smacks right here. Didn't I say that news can't wait? That's right. And folks, get these better-than-ever puffs of wheat. They're sugar-toasted and candy-sweet. They're Kellogg's new sugar smacks. You like them. You bet. Just get Kellogg's sugar smacks, brand new. When Superman came to television in the 50s, it had already been in comic books, there had been a novel, you'd had two theatrical serials, Max Fleischer did a whole bunch of animated shorts, and the radio series. And none of that established mythology was used in this TV show. The only thing they really borrowed from those earlier things, and it's a good one, is the use of Superman's vulnerability to kryptonite. Which, if they had ignored that, would be a huge problem, because Superman has no weakness. If you want to set up any sort of tension, you got to have some kryptonite. The show ended in 1958, but that was not the producer's plan. They hoped to continue the adventures of Superman in 1959 with 26 more episodes, which would start airing in 1960. But the actor who played Perry White, John Hamilton, passed away, which threw their plans into complete chaos. The actor Pierre Watkins was hired to replace Hamilton as Perry White's brother. Watkins had actually played Perry White in two Columbia Superman serials and had guested on the series as other characters. Then something really horrible happened. There was the sudden death of the show star George Reeves in June of 1959. But even after his death, the producers thought they could continue the series as a sort of Jimmy Olsen vehicle, with more focus on Jack Larson's character. And instead of having a replacement for George Reeves, he would play opposite a Superman who would be a composite of stock footage of George Reeves and a lookalike stunt doubled. Larson thankfully rejected the idea and found it completely distasteful. Two other spin-off ideas were attempted. One was a super pup, which actually got filmed but never aired, and it was a live-action actors in dog suits 
portraying canine versions of Superman and other characters. Your product, the best of its kind in the world, presents The Adventures of Super Pup. Faster than the speediest jet. More powerful than the mightiest rockets. Able to fly around the world faster than you can say Super Pup. Weird. Another idea was to do an Adventures of Superboy, and a pilot for that was produced by Whitney Ellsworth in 1961 with Johnny Rockwell starring as young Clark Kent in Smallville. Thirteen scripts were written, but only the pilot was ever filmed. The Adventures of Superboy. Incredible boy of steel. Powerful, fearless, invulnerable. Only survivor of the doomed planet Krypton. Home of a race of fine and noble humans far advanced over those of our own world. Superboy, whose scientist father sent him hurtling into the far reaches of interstellar space in a tiny craft moments before great Krypton exploded into a billion, billion fragments, speeding the spaceship unerringly on its course for planet Earth. Where landing safely, the infant Superboy was found and adopted by a small-town couple, Jonathan and Martha Kent. And now, some years later, the child is young Clark Kent, a student at Smallville High School, where his meek, retiring manner hides an exciting secret known only to himself and his foster parents. The secret that Clark Kent is, in reality, Superboy, champion of the oppressed, enemy of all evildoers, dedicated to the cause of truth and justice. Now, Phyllis Coates would return to the Superman mythology. And as you know, there would be movies made and there would be two other Superman TV series that would come on later. Lois and Clark's The New Adventures of Superman and later Smallville. Phyllis Coates would play the part of Lois Lane's mother in a 1993 episode of that first series. And from what I read, and this is a little bit of interesting legacy moment, I heard Terry Hatcher is going to play Lois Lane's mother in an episode of Smallville that's coming up. History repeats itself. The show premiered on September 19, 1952, but because it was a syndicated program, it didn't have a national premiere. Instead, it just started appearing in different markets at different times. That September 19, 1952 is believed to be the Chicago premiere date, and that's the most commonly accepted one. Although, in two other markets, it was shown in 1953, L.A. on February 9th, and New York on WABC on April 1st. Of course, once the show was canceled, it would appear in reruns for decades afterwards. Now, some shows from those time periods lapsed into the public domain. The Adventures of Superman has not yet, but there is one episode that is in the public domain. It is an episode called Stamp Day, and it was the 105th episode of the series, and it was made as a special episode. It was made by the U.S. Treasury Department to help promote school Stamp Day savings plans to children. It is the only episode in the public domain, and if you do a search online, you can download it for free. It's not a bad little episode. If you would like to own the 104 episodes of The Adventures of Superman, all six seasons are available on DVD. If you're interested in George Reeves, 
there's been a bunch of biographies about the man and what happened to him and it seems like an unfortunate and way too early death for him there's a movie called hollywood land that has ben affleck in it playing george reeves and while i don't believe i loved that movie too much i thought that ben affleck was really good in the role of george reeves he might have been the best character in the film and made me much more interested in what happened to him i think if you watch it you probably become interested enough to want to pick up a biography so the adventures of superman introduced a generation to superman on a daily basis it was to people in the 50s even the 60s what the batman television series was to people in the late 60s and 70s was it silly oh yeah much like batman it was silly a lot but that's good because it appeals to kids what i like about it and a lot of other tv shows like it is that you can watch it with young people even nowadays and it has appeal so it has that ability to bring together generations of tv watchers and fans of a particular character in a way that comic books don't if you have a grandfather or a father who grew up watching the show, you can sit down with him and actually enjoy the show and probably invite another generation of your family into the room and they will enjoy it as well. It's silly at times. There are some really good episodes at other times. But in the end, it's Superman. And watching Superman beat up villains and somehow fool all the people around him into thinking he's some reporter schlub almost every week, that's priceless. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. If you're interested in retro television, we have a retro television section of the website where we're adding new shows all the time. I'm sure by the time this podcast goes up, I will have added The Adventures of Superman. You can find it at tv.retroist.com. Feel free to comment, share memories, or you can even add to the database yourself if you have a fun fact or a show that's not up there. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Save. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.